guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. <laughs> but we feel like it's possible, we know it's possible, to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. <laughs> Well, it's that time again. What time is that? It's time to record a Rise Together podcast. But we're not sitting in a closet. It feels very fancy <laughs> looking across the table at you while you are speaking into a professional microphone. Sitting in a chair. I hope this doesn't ruin it. I honestly, you know, good news, you're still not speaking into a professional microphone. I'm I'm talking into what looks like a Walkman from like 1991. We have spread around us to try and block out the sound. We are in our office. That feels like a great step in the right direction. But it is the temporary office. Yeah. And it is in the loft of the temporary Someday office. Someday we'll have an actual podcast studio and then the world better watch out. So for today's episode, we decided to go to the old company mailbag. I wish we had a song that was like, mailbag. We also don't actually have like this. Mailbag. a company mailbag. <laughs> so uh, we are going to a uh, pretend mailbag. We're going to a DM mailbag. Which is a DM mailbag, which is where you, the listeners, have suggested to our customer service human being, hey. Didn't we do it through at letsrise.co? On Instagram. We did do it through at letsrise.co on Instagram. <laughs> it feels like people should follow they at letsrise.co. They should follow that one. Subtle, honey. Yeah. Very thank subtle. You. Well, here's I'll the be- thing. I'm looking at the questions that were submitted, and they basically fall into two categories. Inappropriate and... Questions about sex. Yeah. And everything else. <laughs> so I think the thing we're going to do here is How just ping pong back and forth. It's actually titled, God bless... Uh, the person who works on the customer relations team, she wrote down sex episode 2.0. Oh, okay. So, all right, but, good work. Well, golly, that's probably that's probably a whole other podcast. If, should we just save 2.0 for the next time and do the questions that are not sex related right now? Oh, now everyone's so disappointed because it's like you didn't uh, just choose at random. Do like a shuffle. Like if you had an iPod in 2012. Here we and go. You just hit shuffle on a I run. I am just going to put my finger down yes. on anything here. here. It Three, goes. two, one. What if you don't like sex? Oh, oh no! What a bummer way to start. What a drag. Well, oh, gosh, there's so many. Uh, the thing is, in order for us to answer that correctly, I think that you've got we got to have more detail than just that solo question. Yeah. I mean. Go. I'm not just saying this, but like, I, there's an entire chapter in Girl Wash Your Face about this topic. You know, I talk about not wanting to have sex. I talk about why that was. I talk about all those things. So, I feel like we we've sort of answered this. And there's an episode of Rise Together podcast where we dig into sex. So I come from another place, which is the more you can get to the root of why, the more you might be able to spend time unpacking the barrier to get through it. So you may have had a sexual experience earlier in your life that makes it hard for you to enjoy sex today. Okay, you need to spend time with a therapist and understand a little bit more about that trauma and how you can work through it. You might be not feeling your best self. And so it could come down to your approach to fitness or eating or like 
feeling great in your own or skin, having, energy, having yeah. the energy so that you can actually show up well in bed yeah. for your partner. You could be uncomfortable with your own sexuality and what turns you on. You might not know what turns you on. You could be uncomfortable being naked. Like there's so that's why I'm saying we we can't yeah. great. We can't really answer it because there's so many reasons why you might not. Yeah. So I guess Dave is right. What? Start with why? Like, what's the core? What's the why? What's, what's the, the what's why? at the like kind of the core of the reason that you're feeling like you don't like sex? And see if there isn't a resource that can help you process your way through it. Question one. Next question. Felt a little bit like a table, but uh, I think you know at the same time we went there. Uh, number two is is a non sex question. Great. Uh, I'm just randomly putting a finger down on a piece of paper. Uh, going through difficult seasons together. How? Can you be encouraging of each other when you're having trouble feeling encouraged yourself? Ooh, I mean, we have what what comes to mind is the year that we spent as foster parents and uh, going through the adoption process. Uh, 2016, I think, yeah. hardest year of our entire lives, and we. I, I think that when you're in a hard season, it either is going to drive you apart or it's going to push you closer together. And for us, we we were clinging to each other. I mean, it was me and Dave and Vodka LaCroix in a bunker yep. just trying to survive. And it was so hard. And I remember being in it with you and us just looking at each other like, what? It, it was so hard. I actually now that we survived that season – I'm not interested in anything bad coming our way, so please, universe, don't bring it. Don't come at me, bro. But if something bad were to happen and we had to survive it again, I actually think that we'd be able to weather it in part by being able to project the stronger version of ourselves that would emerge having survived the crappy thing because I didn't actually at the time we were going through it have a vision for how strong our marriage would be once we got through it. But now that I'm like witness to, wow, how crappy it can be at the bottom of that valley, but how strong we can feel at the you know, top of the peak once we climb out of it, I, I know that I can visualize that peak even when we find ourselves running into a ditch every yeah. once in a while. So I, I guess I would say if you're both walking through a hard season, it's about linking arms and doing it together. I don't think that there should be a sense of like if you're both in a hard time, it's not any one person's responsibility to like be stronger for the other person. I think it's about we're both in this and it sucks and it's okay that it's not good right now. It's okay that we're grieving. It's okay that it hurts. It's okay that this isn't the the best time for us, but we are going to commit together to doing everything that we need to do to come out on the other side of this a s- stronger couple. We did have to force, I think, a little bit of the routine of our pre-hard season life to still be there as a way to get from where we were in the hard in the hard stuff to where we ended up emerging uh, in a more victorious kind of way after that season was done. So anyway, uh, I would encourage you, keep your date night, even if you don't feel like mm, it. Good. Take baby steps to try and you know create some kind of normalcy. Uh, all right, question two, we're going back up to the top. Uh, what if you have no sex drive because of exhaustion? So then in this kind of question, well, I, okay, there, there's a couple, there's exhaustion that you can't control. 
meaning you have a new baby or maybe you're ill or there's something where you cannot control the exhaustion, in which case you need to be graceful with yourself that this is a season that you're in. But then there's exhaustion you can control. So if you have some control over how much sleep you get or the kind of food you eat or how much water you're drinking, all of these things contribute to your level of exhaustion and you're not doing anything about it, well, come on. Like you already know the answer to this question. So either it's a seasonal thing, in which case be grateful and graceful and you'll be fine, or it's not and get some more sleep. Get some more sleep. Make exercise a part of your life. Yes. The power plant doesn't have energy. It produces Yeah. Energy. I was waiting for you to, we went to this conference our friend Brendan Burchard does, and he says it about a hundred times from stage. He says, the power plant doesn't have energy. It makes energy. If you want to have more energy, if you want to have more sex drive, if you want to be more energized and passionate and excited about your life, you've got to do things to make that happen. And that looks like working out every day and eating foods that make you feel great, not that make you feel terrible, and drinking enough water and not taking in things, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, that are going to slow you down and lower your mood. Good work. I like that answer. Next question. Uh, Can you talk to us about boundaries with people of the opposite sex as married people? I think we've talked about this before, but... We have. We're definitely super hardcore about not hanging out with people while we're on the road of the opposite sex after certain times of day. Yeah. Not having alcohol present when you're hanging out with people of the opposite sex kind of ever. The the rule is basically how if if like this is how I think of it. If I'm let's say I'm on a business trip, I think what would I how would I want Dave to act in this situation? And that not, that needs to be how I'm acting. So I don't, um, yeah, we don't, like we would never go on a business trip and go to drinks or go to dinner by myself with another man. I, I just like, it, I wouldn't be a thing. Um, because if Dave was doing that, that would make me feel like a little weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I think too, and this is, you know, good news. We have not ourselves been you know, people who had to go through infidelity, but bad things happen when you put the right mix of circumstances together. And we're honest enough and open enough about the reality that, hey, we have really great intentions. We are, I think, very committed to having an exceptional relationship. And if you don't protect that by creating boundaries around the places where mistakes happen, Mistakes can happen. Absolutely. So don't let mistakes happen. Create a set of rules that you and your spouse or you and your partner are comfortable with and stick to them. Well, if you happen to listen to me on Ed Milet's podcast, I think we talked about this. Uh, He mentions the story of the very first time he and I started emailing back and forth. And when we had been like social media friends, and then he had sent a note that said, hey, send me an email. You know, I'd love to collaborate. And I sent him the same email that I have sent to Brendan Burchard, that I've sent to Lewis, that I've sent to like a lot of our guy friends in the industry, is in the initial note that I sent to them, I said, hey, just so we have clarity, I am super happily married. My husband's name is Dave. 
I'm like, I, from the very beginning, I set the intention of what, like, I would love to have a relationship with you and I would love to be friends, but I want you to know where I'm coming from. Not only because I want to be respectful of my relationship, but also 99% of these guys are in relationships. Yeah. And he told me, he's like, I have never received an email like this in all my years of business. And he said, I turned it around and I showed it to my wife. And we just appreciated how respectful you were of her, not just how respectful you were of Dave, but how respectful you were of her that like, I don't know. I I think it's interesting because it's in the, in the, I just don't know how to do conversations without saying the word space. And we always get craft because we use it too much. But in the personal development space, most of the leaders are men. And because that's an area that I've now gotten into, most of my contemporaries are men. But it was, has always been like, these guys are my friends and we hang out with my husband and they hang out with their wives and we all hang out in a group. Um, Not because of anything weird, but just because that feels like respectful of what relationship looks like. And I don't know that there are enough people practicing being respectful of their partners. So it's really been interesting for me. It's been really interesting for me too in real time as this community of people in the personal development and growth space have become friends with Rachel, there's a version of me at the beginning of our relationship that would have been threatened by their ability to show up for her in a way that she needed that I couldn't. I mean, they have experience in some of these things that she's working through in real time that would, would have, I think, to like a 15-year you know, earlier version of myself been a threatening kind of thing. So I'm glad to you know, get to a place where I have a little more maturity about it being cool, but also... It still doesn't mean that we're hanging out with yeah. people and having drinks and anything else just well, because I, you get to a place of, I mean, obviously we trust each other, but, you know, the way that you set and stick to rules is important. I've talked about it before, but I remember years ago I was at a conference and it was a conference for business owners and there weren't, unfortunately, there weren't a lot of women there. And I really wanted to talk to other people about what I was learning, I really wanted to like go to the bar and have a drink after the conference and discuss it. But I also was I'm like, this is so weird. And I would never want anyone to think like, oh, like Rachel's sitting at the bar trying to find someone. And I met this guy who's like still a friend today. I met this guy who owned a, a company in Florida and we started talking. I was like, man, I'd really love to talk to you about the things we've been learning. And he's like, yeah, me too. I was like, I'm going to just let my husband know. And he was like, oh, thank goodness. I'm going to let my wife know. And we both sent a note to our partners and just said, hey, going to go talk to this person. Just want you to know it's happening. Just like, so, and it, I don't know. I I think that maybe when I was younger, I would have thought that was so weird. Like, oh, you can't even be your own self or you like got to check in with your partner. But it really does come back to, it, as silly as it sounds, it's like the golden rule for me. Yeah. I am gonna tr- I'm gonna act in a situation how I want Dave to act, and if it's I, respect. it's totally respect. So it's always you know how are you showing up and making sure that you're not doing anything that if you found out that your partner had done it, like you would be your feelings would be hurt. Last thing, and then we're going to the next question. If you're a person who has to hesitate as to whether you want to tell your partner about a situation that you find yourself Ooh. in, you shouldn't be in that situation. Ooh, preach. So think about that the next time you're wondering if you ought to give an update to your partner. Uh, number, 
well, I don't even know what number we're on. We're not doing numbers. It doesn't number matter. Um, how have you navigated money or finances in your marriage? <laughs> well, if Dave ever dies, I'm in trouble. Manila envelope. I don't. I This is so terrible. Every single feminist bone in my body just cringes and dies, but I don't know. I don't know anything. I am I am like a joke. I don't know anything. And I've made a lot of money and I don't know. I mean like I'm it's we have it. It's I think there. the headline is every great relationship identifies lanes where strengths should be leveraged and weaknesses should be protected and in this instance, yeah. I've just tended to be someone who was a little more savvy when it came to understanding you know, like working through the detail of the financials. Yeah. And it hasn't been in a way that was like, I'll now keep this in this secret envelope yeah. that you'll never see. It was more like, all right, I'm great at this and you're not as good. So I'll do this, but you're great at these things. Yeah, so it was you know. like, Rachel can't ever pay her bills on time. I grew up without money. You know, when Dave met me, I was working like three jobs. So when we got married, I didn't know any other world but to like spend every single penny of your paycheck and then just like starve for the last nine (laughs) days before you got paid again. And that is one of his spiritual giftings is the ability to budget and, you know, make sure they're not going to turn your lights off. Uh, So as much as it like some people don't like it, that definitely is something in our relationship that we divide and conquer, meaning... We divide it, Dave conquers it, and if he ever passes away, there is literally a manila envelope that says, like, I'm sorry (laughs) on the top. And it's, like, where everything, like, here's our trust, here's our this. Here are the passwords. Here's here's where this money is. These kids, you know, tuition, this, that. Here's the college. Yep, Uh, the whole thing. The whole thing. We're going to grab a quick cup of coffee while we're gone. Please check out some of the awesome new products we have coming out this season from The Hollis Company. Guys, Rise in Minneapolis sold out. Our annual women's conference actually sold out in 27 minutes. We know it's kind of insane. And if you are one of the people who so wanted to go, don't worry. We are adding another date. So save the date, July 18th through the 20th. We have no idea where. We do not know what state. We literally chose the only weekend I had free in the summertime. And you guys, it's going to be epic. So stay tuned. Uh, Can you tell a couple of things that no one warns you about when it comes to being a parent? Oh, a couple? Holy smokes. What are things no one tells you about? Well, I will I will start with anyone giving you any insight at all in what it means to be a parent before you have a child is a waste of you listening to a human. That is accurate. You will inevitably have an experience that is wholly and totally uniquely yours, and anything that you've read in what to expect when you're expecting or what you listen to in a podcast from the Hollises isn't going to help you that much anyway because no one can prepare you for having a child. Yeah, because you're going to have your child, and it's not going to be how anybody else shows up. I think I think I didn't I, – I've talked about this quite a bit, but I am not a mom. I'm not a mom, like, for babies. That's not my thing. Yeah. And uh, maybe that 
resonates with you or maybe that doesn't resonate with you. I love babies. I love to hold babies, but it's not my favorite stage of parenting by a long shot. I, it's very stressful for me. I don't, I don't really enjoy it. I really don't. And here's the thing. When you become a parent, you got a baby. And then I, at a, when the baby was 11 months old, I got pregnant again. So I had a lot of babies and I really, really struggled. And I thought I was so terrible. Like I had so much shame because I didn't like parenting them. And I never told anybody that. I just tried as hard as I could. And I was like, why don't I like this? Like my friends and my sister-in-laws, like they love this and I don't, and I don't understand something's wrong with me. And then my kids got older and I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Like once they can talk to you and they have a personality and they wanna read books, they wanna do like, once they're not a blob, which is like, there are women right now who are cringing like, oh, I can't believe you called your baby a blob. Sorry, I'm like a little bit like a dude in that way. I like it when they're not a blob. Yes. So for me, I really beat myself up because I thought that it meant that I was a good mom. And now I'm like, oh no, you're just a mom that does better with older kids. That was an eye opener for me. And that every year, like you get a little calmer, you figure more things out. You are not so stressed out about everything. I I didn't understand that motherhood or parenthood got better with time. I thought, man, that baby comes out of you. You got to know it all. And it's just not true. There are an unlimited number of people who will have an opinion on your parenting style and whether what you're doing is good or not good, if you're doing it the right way or the wrong way. And you have to decide if you're going to give power to people who are not raising your children to make you feel a certain way about how you're raising your child or children. And it was a thing that was hard for us at the beginning of having kids because I think there's an insecurity in keeping humans alive that makes you want to look to others to affirm that you're doing it the right way. If I could give any advice, it would be know that you are uniquely equipped to handle the child, children that you have, and that looking outside of your home for affirmation that you're doing it right will almost every single time lead to you feeling crappier about how you're parenting. So just don't do it. You do you. Do parenting however you do it. Like when it comes to picture day, our kids pick out their clothes. When it comes to haircuts, they get to tell the barber how they get their haircut. You might not be a family that likes to have this like crazy hairstyles that our kids have, but our kids dig it and we dig that they dig it. And that's how we do. So my best advice would be know that every single thing you're going to go through is completely and totally unique to you and that anyone else's opinion on how you're doing it doesn't matter unless you let it. I also would say one last thing that uh, I feel like we've said many times before. This is what we say to like newly, you know, new couples or whatever that I didn't know. And I wouldn't change anything because if we changed anything about the order, we wouldn't have the children we have. But if I was telling my own children advice right now for when they grow up, I would say, wait longer. Enjoy the time. Like, I feel like, you know, in society, it's like, oh, when are you, why don't you have a boyfriend? And then you get, well, when are you getting married? Uh, and then, what, okay, now you're married. When are you having, when are you buying a house? Now, when are you having a kid? Like, everybody pressures you to do the next thing. And I wish that in retrospect, like, 
It would have been cool to have more time to travel. It would have been cool to have more time to learn who we were before we tried to teach someone else who to be. I'm eight years older than Rachel, so I lived an entire adult life before I met Rachel. And I hate to bring that up because it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so he did fine. I maybe would tell my children to wait a little longer. All right, last question for the mailbag episode of Rise Together. Can you talk a little bit about codependency? You've said it a lot before. What is it and how do we know if we're struggling with it and what are your tips to getting past it? Codependency, I'm sure there's like a great definition, but I think of it as someone else's mood affects your mood. Like you need them to be happy in order for you to be happy. If they get mad, you're upset. Like, Codependency is like the re- like what? Hold on, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna look up the definition. Let's yeah, I mean, I, I can just say like from the way that we have been codependent in our relationship over time, it has been Rachel's unhappy, she's had a bad day, so now I will have a bad day until I can make her day better, or I'm happy, so because I'm happy, she is now happy, and so it's like a thing that has a crazy relationship between your mood and the person that you're in, in you know, partnership with mood. Oy. Okay. This, so this says excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically a partner who requires support due to an illness or addiction. So that's interesting. So I think that then cl- clinically it's more about, cause I've looked up two definitions now, clinically it's more about addiction or someone who is not performing in a certain way or whatever. I think of it more, there's a there's a great book that's older than Dirt called Codependent No More that is, it's about this idea, like in exactly what Dave said. In our relationship, it was, if Dave was upset, I like couldn't function. I had to, I didn't, not because he asked me to, but I asked his permission for everything. I was like, is it, a, hey, do you mind if I eat the last of the Girl Scout cookies? Like, is it cool if I go to the grocery store? Like, you have to be a whole person. You, there's no such thing that like Jerry Maguire line, you complete me, that's not real. No half people come together and make a whole. You have to be two functioning people on your own, walking side by side through life. That's what a healthy relationship looks like. A healthy relationship looks like there are days that your partner is going to be upset or sad or struggling, and you can feel empathy for that without it dragging you down to that level. Codependent to me looks like you will adjust your personality, you will adjust your ambition, you will adjust your dreams, your goals that you have for yourself, your life, your health, because your partner doesn't support them. You need their approval in order for you to approve of yourself, that is how I would think of codependent. Yeah. I mean, it's, by the way, not just with your partner, because I am a recovering codependent father of children. And I can still remember, I was working at the time for Disney. We came out of the very, very first test screening of Inside Out, and I had a breakthrough where it was right around the holidays. I was trying to convince Rachel that we should buy our boys, who were like, seven and nine, seven and eight, whatever they were at the time, too young, that they needed laptops. That's right. Because I'd been traveling a bit for work and I was feeling like, you know what? I'm not, you know, like engaging in quality time enough with them. So I'll buy them some things so that I can keep them happy so that they don't experience sadness. 
And then I saw Inside Out, <laughs> which is such a weird thing to say, but like the value of having your kids or your partner process something, even if it's a negative emotion, is the thing that will help them grow. And so I, I came out of that experience realizing my kids did not need a laptop. They might actually need to mourn not getting a laptop and enjoy the smaller, less expensive thing that I got them because what the heck, they're seven and nine. You don't need a stinking computer. They also just need time. They just need That's time. That's really what kids They need want. attention, focused uninterrupted attention. That's really all that they needed. But anyway, it was, if, if you're hearing the word codependent and wonder if it can also apply to you as a parent with your children, absolutely try to catch it. Because if you're living your life to try and keep your kids happy, number one, you're not living your life. But number two, you're probably not preparing them for being functioning adults who, when they get in the real world, don't have you there to keep them happy all the time. I've told this story before, but there was a study that I read a few years ago where they interviewed parents of adult addicts, so like children who had grown up and become severe addicts, like heroin, things like that. And they interviewed all of these parents and found that the common thread throughout all of their parenting styles, they came from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different walks of life, all of these things, but the common thread for addicts was parents who never let the children experience um consequences. Yeah. Who never let them have the disappointment of, hey, you left your homework at home? It's going to stay home. Hey, you didn't do that thing? Then I get, you know, like you have to experience consequences. And so often I think in parenting, we want to protect our kids. We want to, you know, enable them to keep making bad choices. We enable them to keep forgetting their homework. We enable them to do stuff because we don't want them to feel pain. And in reality, you need to feel that pain sometimes to understand what it takes to get the life that you want. Like Jackson is doing a play this weekend and we're so proud of him. He's in Peter Pan and he's, um, I think, the only sixth grader who got a speaking part in, in the middle school play and um, our family's coming in. It's like this huge deal for him. And years ago, when he tried out for his first play at school, because he's always loved theater, he tried out for his first play when he was little, I remember him sitting in the hallway of the school crying because he did really bad on his audition. He, you know, he was like so upset. And the thing was, I couldn't tell him like, no, you didn't, you didn't do bad. Like he did. And he knew that he didn't do right and he didn't prepare in the right way. And he was so disappointed. And I was like, buddy, look, we know now how we have to prepare for next time. We know you did the best you could with the information that you had. You didn't get it that time. But guess what? It's okay because we're going to keep working on it. And I promise you that years from now, we will look back on this moment and we will remember this as the time when you learned how to push yourself for the thing that you wanted. You don't get it the first time out of the gate. And when he got this part in the play, and it was like years of working and trying, like he got part of the chorus in West Side Story. And then he got two lines in this one. And then he's just slowly been working his way up to get to be a main character. And when he got this part, I was like, Jackson, do you remember when we sat in the hallway? Do you remember when we cried? Like, do you remember? Look at how far you've come. And you are here, not because uh, you're the smartest kid, not because you're the most talented, not because you're, but because you worked for it. Yeah. You worked for it. And for the rest of his life, he gets this lesson, which we will keep teaching over and over. If you want something from life, it's not about what you came out of the womb with. 
It's what kind of mindset do you have to become the person you want to be? I went off on a tangent, honey. Hey, I love it. I love it. It's Jackson ran for office and lost the, the election. Sawyer went up on the mound to pitch and could not throw a strike. Like, I love throwing our kids into those situations, and it's different today than it was at the beginning of me being a parent that wanted to keep them from harm's way. I want them to take responsible risks and learn, like that example you just gave, that it's okay to suck as long as you keep working hard. (laughs) And on that note, if you thought this episode didn't suck, we sure would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast. A subscription means that you will get a notification every single time we post a new episode, which is every Thursday. We'd also super appreciate if you liked it. Will you take a screenshot and share it on Instagram or Facebook and be sure and tag at Miss Rachel Hollis and at Mr. Dave Hollis. Let us know what you're up to. Hashtag Rise Together Podcast. If you didn't like it, though. Oh, just keep that to yourself. Don't tell anybody, especially us. Yeah, just keep that. Just lock it up tight. Throw away the key. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Mailbag is now closed. Ding. That was the sound of the mailbag closing. I don't know why it sounded like a pirate's chest, but... Here's the good news. We still have enough questions to bring back the mailbag episode if it's one that people liked. And if you end up having any topics that you hope that we would capture or talk about in an upcoming mailbag episode, go to the DMs of at letsrise.co on Instagram and drop them in there. We'll see you next week. The advanced reader copies of Girl Stop Apologizing are officially out in the world, which means for the first time ever, people besides my editor are reading my new book, and I can't wait for you to read it too. I wrote Girl Stop Apologizing because I wanted to give women permission to do just that. Stop apologizing for who you are. Stop apologizing for the dreams and goals and hopes you have for your life. The tagline for this book is a shame-free guide for embracing and achieving your goals. So if you have big, audacious dreams for your career or great, fantastic personal goals for yourself, this is the book for you. It comes out March 12th, and you can pre-order now on Amazon.com.